This podcast is a folk media production. People have kind of understood the value, especially because in the past two years they've seen a series of defaults and frauds that have happened in the banking industry. So there's been a realization that if this kind of data was available to us before that, we could have made better decisions. That is Meghna Surakumar, CEO and founder of Credit Watch, a data insight services company which makes credit trading efficient. So Meghna has founded one of the most trusted brands for the banking industry and has eased the credit trading process for many. And let's find out how she put out all of this together. So let's dive straight into to understand well how they did it. But just to let you know before we proceed any further, in light of the coronavirus pandemic, this conversation was recorded over a phone call. All right. So the first question is, how did you start Teddy Watch? So prior to starting Teddy Watch, I used to be a lawyer actually, on legal law firm cross border practice. I am licensed to practice even in the US and India, and I used to work specifically on venture capital transactions and mergers and acquisitions. So when we we're doing a lot of India-related mergers and acquisitions, we had to kind of physically, you know, go to different regulated entities, government offices to gather data on targets. So this I'm talking about in 2003, 2004, 2005, those days, right? Uh, yeah. So it used to be quite a manual process. It used to take a lot of time. I started this practice. I was based out of New York. And I moved to India to set up uh, my India office for this practice. And I used to share office space with a VC, who's a friend of mine. And when I moved back to India, which is around 2008-2009, I kind of realized that uh, the landscape has really changed. You know, a lot of data we would look for uh, manually before I left India uh, was all available digitally. So there was a lot of shift because there was a lot of digitization that was happening with the government. And I found that to be quite interesting. So as time passed, uh, you know, the startup bug kind of caught, caught up with me and I kept thinking about how, what we could do with this data set. And at the same time, my husband, who's my co-founder, uh, he's worked on a lot of uh, very large technology projects for multinationals, especially things like feeding live data into stock exchanges and, you know, technologies relating to that. So when we started speaking and also started speaking to this friend of ours who was a VC in, in, who I share office space with, uh, he was also talking about how do you look at risk, right? If, let's say like what happened with the microfinance industries in 2008, 9, 10, right? There's a lot of controversy. Like how do you manage risk, right? In, in today's age when you're investing in such companies. So that was his problem statement. And when I saw that this kind of data was available digitally, we decided we could solve this by using this data to create risk insights, right? So we started first with like a compliance angle, like how let's make companies more compliant and they'll be less risky. That was the first six months mm-hmm. of our journey, but then we realized that there's so much data there. Let's just analyze the data and find out who's a good apple and a bad apple. We felt that that was a much better problem mm-hmm. to solve, and that's kind of how Credit Watch was born. That's interesting. All right. So, I mean, the role of technology, of course, AI, algorithms, uh, it's a big part of what you do. Yes. Uh, there has been a thought process amongst Indians especially that, you know, you're not supposed to trust machines that easily. You know, I'm just talking about the general mass market uh, idea or a machine learning capability. So how do you go around that? So, I mean, some of the things that have worked in our favor is uh, why that's true from an individual's perspective. From an industry perspective, we've kind of seen a shift in our customers' behavior, right? 
the Indian government itself is kind of like the largest fintech player. Uh, they provided digitization initiatives with the India Stack, right? The UPI. So that the government itself has pushed to this digitization. And the government has made lots of regulations, at least in the sector that we are in, where we look at our customers. The banks themselves have a lot of obligations in terms of reporting, in terms of analyzing this, that they cannot do manually anymore. So from our perspective, while yes, in the beginning, there was a little bit of skepticism, I could say, in terms of digital versus human beings better at judgment versus machines making judgments, right? But I think that over time, there has been a shift in the user behavior because people have realized that you know you can take decisions about 100 companies but if your portfolio has 25,000 companies what are you going to do right if it's possible mm-hmm. to even consider doing this manually you can't right then your judgment should be reserved for like the final steps that could be probably drilled down by the technology. So people have kind of understood the value, especially because in the past two years we've seen a series of defaults and frauds that have happened in the banking industry. So there's been a realization that if this kind of data was available to us before that, we could have made better decisions. So there has been a shift, luckily, because of what's happened, some of the events, and also because of the push from the government and banks, the financial services industry is digitizing. And we expect this just to accelerate because of COVID. Because now, you know, you can't think of doing a manual KYC and collecting documents because it poses risk, right? So a lot of processes are going to be eliminated where uh, just in terms of COVID spreading. So from that perspective, we'll actually, things are going to accelerate in terms of digitization and accepting automated solutions. All right, so what challenges do you face in terms of security, in terms of online threats, hackers, and all of those things? So security is always our one of our highest priorities from the beginning, especially because Rewatch yeah. works with financial services organizations. So for every customer that we need to sign up with, we actually go through an extensive security audit from their end. That is only after that we qualify would they do business with us. So we always paid a lot of attention to security from day one in terms of what kind of firewalls we put in place, or what kind of security measures we put in place and how we store our technology, how we access it, how often we change passwords. We've always been very conscious of that from day one. Even with the work from home that we instituted, kind of planned for it in advance. So where we kind of invested in commercial grade VPN access, you know, early March, because it takes a couple of weeks for them to deliver. So when we actually went on a work from home, we had put in a complete VPN access with all the security processes in place. And we had kind of done trials with all the employees on their computers before they went on work from home to ensure that their system and device can access it once they're remote. And only the systems that were kind of registered into this network can access. Uh, you can't just access the study watch from a home device. So we've always paid attention to security because I think that especially for this uh, work from home scenario now, online deaths and cybersecurity is kind of a big problem that everyone needs, you know, is, is grappling with. Correct. Talking about the current situation, the pandemic situation, do you have any interesting data points that you might have gathered around this and how this is going to affect the economy? What is the implication of it in terms of businesses and probably what is the way out? Probably the next six months, where do you see the economic situation of the country? Sure. I mean, we've actually recently, we did a webinar a couple of days ago where we presented to the industry our view on what's the scenarios with respect to the lockdown and the impact on the Indian industry. So we have been, you know, crunching and analyzing the data. So, I mean, we look at two possible scenarios, right? One scenario now, which is kind of happening, which is the lockdown is being lifted from May 3rd. Most parts of the country, many industries are kind of going back to some sort of a normal function and offices are going to open at limited capacity. So if this happens, and expecting that the GDP prediction was 4 to 4.5%, right, before COVID happened by all the analysts, 
We still think that if we do get back now in the month of May, we, uh, GDP is still going to be hit. We're going to look at GDP between 1.5 to 1.8 or 2%, right? So that means that whatever original estimates of a GDP was, it's literally going to be half because of what's happened. We also look at losses. There's going to be huge loss. In this scenario, if our GDP is half, then we're looking at uh, about 472,000 crores loss and interest loss of 146,000 crores. Uh, looking at many sectors, hospitality, airlines, yeah. manufacturing, gems and jewelry, a lot of these sectors being affected. And there's another scenario we've looked at that is this lockdown in May 3rd, you know, somehow because of the COVID right family in a week or two, we go back to being a clamp down again. And that's another scenario we've looked at is it persists till the end of May. While everyone's opening next week, if we decide, no, we need to go back to what we were locked down again. And if that happens, yeah. it persists. And if you look at normal recovery only by Q3, we think that that's going to be disastrous for the economy. Then the GDP could go down below 1%. And not only the industries that I mentioned could be impacted, then even financial services industries could get impacted, especially the NBFC sector. So from that perspective, uh, we've been kind of urging everybody, spreading this information to ensure that it's possible to get the economy functioning if people can go back to work in a safe and secure way. Uh, if there's a way we could do this in phases and manner, that's what's best for the country at this point. Uh, because otherwise it's going to be very, very tough recovery for us with GDP, which goes below 1%. That's going to be quite disastrous. All right. So, you know, when you talk about industries being affected by this, uh, what about SMEs? What about young entrepreneurs who just got on the boat and, you know, it's been around a couple of years for them? What is your word of advice for them? How to battle through this? I mean, from an SME perspective, yes, the MSMEs are uh, severely affected at this point. If we don't take the right measures, then we could see a lot of them, maybe 20-25% of them dying. So the government, I think, has started taking steps in the right direction. We don't have full visibility of what are all the things they're going to do. We have some parts of it, like RBI has announced measures, the government's announced relief package, relief to the MSME. They're working on creating funding, support for the MSMEs, even the equity investments from the government for startups and MSMEs they are going to come by. They've started to support the NBSCs who largely fund many SMEs and MSMEs. So we are looking at a lot of steps in the right direction. From a startup's perspective, startups, if you're an early stage startup and you're really good in a pre-Series A, Series A speed, the angel investments are still happening, Series A investments will still happen. But the bar is really high, but the deals will still close. So the problem, yeah. the slowdown will be more from Series B onwards for the larger deals. So my advice for the companies would be that if you have 18 months runway because you recently raced around, just you know sit tight and focus and go deep on your product for the next 12 months and then raise. But if you don't have a runway for the next 12 months, then go back to your existing investors because you've already done Series A, right, or a B. Yeah. Uh, and from that pool, consider doing a flat round. A flat round is raising money at the same valuation as the previous round. Right, so the flat round is a good option where you can get by yourself 12 months runway and go deep, achieve some milestones so that you can go back and do a more aggressive round next year. That's the advice for that are in a more advanced stage. And if you're extremely early, you've not raised any round at all, uh, and you're not going to be able to find angel funding, you'll have to bootstrap. I mean, that's what Teddy Watch did in early yeah. days, 2016. Uh, yeah. You know, Airbnb, when they couldn't raise money, they sold cedar boxes and, and cleared $30,000 worth of debt. So it's a, if you're not able to raise money, the entrepreneurs will have to get creative. They need to bootstrap and figure out how they can survive the next 12 months. So I think resilience, perseverance, all of that is very important. 
And especially because the average age of an Indian is 29 years, I think that one of the major factors in our recovery from a long-term perspective is actually on our shoulders, the generation that is the entrepreneurs and the young generation for us to rebuild from this. And we are going to play a very, very important role. So uh, we'll have to kind of understand our responsibility and be perseverant and work really hard to rebuild this economy post-COVID. Interesting. Okay. Are there any books which you are currently reading, something that's keeping you motivated to this? So when I was reading Ikagai, that's what I read because when we had to work from home and kind of reorganize the space, the book on Ikagai to the Japanese way of decluttering, that yeah. was one of the first books that I read when the lockdown started. Very useful. Hmm. All right. And uh, any favorite authors that you have? Favorite authors? I mean, I have many, many favorite authors. I mean, some of the recent books that I really read again and again, of course, was Michelle Obama. Her book has been an international bestseller and I felt like it was very, very inspirational to learn from her own experiences. You know, especially there was a part where she talked about how she hates cooking and I could really, really resonate with that. So yeah, that was a book that I enjoyed reading her and I read her again and again. And I still had a lot of fun. So I would read that again and again. And uh, talking about cinema, are you binging on something? Are you watching some shows or movies on OTT platforms at the moment? Yeah, we do get some amount of limited screen time because it's been very hectic for us in the past one, one and a half months in terms of the work. But yeah, we have, I mean, I have been able to watch some of the movies that went on the Oscar Best Movie, you know, nomination for this year in 2020. So I was able to watch Bombshell. I think that got nominated and I was able to watch uh, Joker, but I was able to watch all of the other ones that were made in the Best Picture list uh, this year. All right, Megna. Any parting words that you want to say about this? Any, when I just on a positive note, how we're going to come out of this? Probably six months down the line, things are going to be back to normal again. I mean, if you don't shut down, we're looking at an eight to 12 months recovery. If things start now, yeah. you know, then we'll look at probably in FY22 normalized financial figures. So if that, you know, from that perspective, it's pretty important for us to keep our physical and mental health intact. You know, being at yeah. home uh, in, in this kind of changed environment, especially for entrepreneurs, you know, we're always very stressed already. Mm. So this is going to be yeah. quite a challenging time, right? Because there are additional chores and tasks that we don't normally do that are added to at this point. Yeah. So it's important to focus on physical and mental health. In fact, we do yoga twice a week together. That's something that we do as an all-hands exercise where 50 of us, we do mm. yoga with an instructor twice a week. So we are, I think, focusing on mental and physical health is very, very important at this point in time. All right. Thank you for listening to this creditworthy episode of How They Did It. Stay tuned for more inspiration coming your way in the next episode only on the Mashable India website, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your other favorite podcasting apps. This is Konak Tyagi signing out. Mm-hmm.